April 4 through April 10, 2014. I'm your host, David Tanner, and we are very pleased to have you here on Main Menu today. And if you're a returning listener, we are very glad that you've joined us again today on Main Menu. And if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We're glad to have you and hope that you will enjoy the show and continue to come back and be with us here on Main Menu. We have a jam-packed full show today, and we want to get into that right away soon. We have a couple announcements we want to give to you and then uh, tell you what's going to be on and get right into it. Well, first of all, I want to tell you very quickly about something we just learned about today, April 3rd. We received an email from a very reliable source indicating that there is a scam going on. Nobody is quite sure where it started, but if you are a JAWS for Windows user, be very careful about uh, taking a phone call from someone uh, who says that you have a virus in your JAWS and that if you will call a certain number that the people at that number can help you clean that up. Please do not do that. Please be aware that that is a scam. People have tried that phone number just to check to see what was going on, and you do not want to get your jaws messed up, so please, please, please do not take them up on that. If you get that kind of a call, hang up on them. Don't do what they're asking you to do, or you may be sorry. The second thing, and we are covering it here on Main Menu tonight, the first segment is by Mary Emerson, a member of the Main Menu staff, and Mary is going to be covering the just-announced new release of firmware for the Hems Braille Sense products, and Mary is going to be telling us all about the new features, and that new release was just announced on April 2nd, so you're getting some pretty new news there, and it's just been out a couple of days, and you'll want to take advantage of that if you are a BrailleSense owner of any of the versions of the BrailleSense. It is also available on the VoiceSense. So the other two segments we have for you today are another two segments from CSUN, brought to us compliments of the fine folks at Blind Bargains and J.J. Metal, and Jay is going to be doing both of the interviews we have here on the show today. The first one is an interview with the folks from Intuit, the folks who make QuickBooks and Quicken and several other products that you may be familiar with. And they're going to be talking about access to QuickBooks. And then second interview that Jay's going to be doing is an interview with the folks from Bomb America. And he's going to be talking to, to David, the manager of the Bomb USA office. And I think you'll find that very interesting. We're going to go ahead now and get into that coverage because it is going to take a, quite a bit of our program. You have a great week and we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu.
If you're interested in providing feedback about Main Menu, chatting with all of the members of the Main Menu staff, and be able to communicate with a large number of Main Menu's listeners, you might wish to subscribe to the Main Menu Friends mailing list. To subscribe to the Main Menu Friends mailing list, you can send an email to mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. You can also participate in conversation about Main Menu on Twitter by following at Main Menu or visiting our Twitter page at www.twitter.com slash Main Menu. Hi everyone, this is Mary Emerson, and I'm here to tell you that version 8.1 of the firmware for HIMSS note-takers is out, and there are a number of new features and enhancements that I'm going to tell you about. I'm relying rather heavily on the release notes for this, because I know I'm going to be forgetting things if I don't, so here we go with it. The first item is that the online DAISY download connection for the Canadian National Institute for the Blind Library is now available. This is located in the Extras menu. In the Word Processor, there is the ability to open PowerPoint, which is PPT or PPTX files. There is also the ability to put Nemeth code into a printable form for students or colleagues of people who need to see printouts. You type in your Nemeth code and then you save the file when you're done with it as a doc, D-O-C, word file. And this file can be printed out for sighted folks and you will get the result of the Nemeth symbols being translated, printed out as regular print, math, and scientific notation symbols. There are some enhancements to the media player. They have added display of a title when you're streaming audio from the internet, and they've also added a title display when a file has ID3 tags in it. They've also added a prompt when you want to cancel recording. It makes sure that you really want to cancel recording. In the DAISY player, they've inserted an option to set automatic play mode, and that's located in the voice settings under file menu. And Bookshare downloads have been enhanced. They've added the ability to search full text of Bookshare items. That option is located in the search method. Then they've added popular books to the categories list, and they've also added history to the search menu options. The global options, they've changed the default document type from Braille document to a text document. For the terminal for screen reader, they have modified the terminal clipboard to be a multi-line edit box. Send key is now Enter plus S for Braille and Control plus S for the QWERTY. And if Bluetooth is off, it is now automatically turned on when the Bluetooth serial connection type is chosen. They've also inserted a hotkey for voiceover. The Braille key stroke is space and dots 3-6. For the QWERTY note takers, it's the control key. They have fixed some problems with the backup and restore settings. They've added bookshare options to the settings that can be backed up or restored. And this is something 
that I had a hand in working with as a beta tester. I had mentioned that this was a problem because when you backed up and then upgraded to a new patch or a new version of the firmware, then you would go into Bookshare and none of your settings were saved. Well, now they have fixed that. You have preferences that are different from the default, then you can actually back up these items and it should restore them when you are finished downloading a new firmware version. In the help, they have added instructions for connecting to various screen readers in the terminal for screen readers section. And this is in the utilities chapter of the manual and in the help. And there are some bug fixes to the browser, the calculator, and the word processor. And that just about sums it up for what's going on with the new 8.1 firmware. I wanted to mention something that wasn't listed here, and this is something that I had brought up. There was a problem in the word processor if you happen to be reading a text file, but you were reading it in contracted Braille. And the problem was that you'd be reading along and even editing some files and doing some things within files, and you had a sudden change in the Braille. You would hear a kind of strange click-clack kind of noise, and then the Braille would change. And it looked really strange. It didn't really look like any type of contracted Braille. As an example, let's say you were looking at a dot six and the beginning of a capitalized word in contracted Braille. All of a sudden, when this change happened, the dot six turned to a dot two. And I figured out that what was probably happening was that, for some reason, the computer Braille got invoked by the software, and the dot six is a comma in computer braille. So it got changed to a comma and then somehow it figured out, oh, we're doing contracted braille translation here. So it changed the comma to a dot two for contracted braille. This got fixed. It took a couple of days to figure out what was going on with it, but the programmers fixed it and I have edited a lot of very large files and done some work on them and read some other files that have been original text or Word documents that were being read in contracted Braille form, and I've never had any more problems with this. And this has been verified not only by me, but by other beta testers. So it's been a lot of fun tracking down some of these problems, and I certainly look forward to doing more of this in the next release. I think I have summed up just about everything that is going on with the new firmware for version 8.1 for the HIMSS note takers. If you want more information, you can go out to the HIMSS site, http www.hims-inc.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mary Emerson for Main Menu. Main Menu. Direct from San Diego, it's BlindBargains.com coverage of CSUN 2014. The biggest names, provocative interviews, and wall-to-wall exhibit hall coverage. Brought to you by the American Foundation for the Blind. The Journal of Visual Impairment and Blindness is an essential professional resource and the journal of record on issues related to blindness and vision loss. Subscribe now and get immediate access to news from the field, current research and best practice information, and a calendar of events. For more information, go to www.jvib.org. Now, 
Here's JJ Meadow. We are here at CSUN 2014, and I'm with Ted Drake, Cheryl Arana, and Lori Samuels from Intuit, and Albert Rizzi from My Blind Spot. And we're here to talk about some of the accessibility improvements, big improvements, especially with QuickBooks. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Blind Bargains. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And uh, why don't we uh, uh, start with, uh, I guess, whoever wants to jump in and tell us a little bit about uh, Intuit uh, and accessibility and, and how things got started. Sure, I can talk to that. Um, so I joined Intuit in uh, the year 2011, about three years ago, and uh, volunteered to take on uh, Intuit-wide corporate accessibility program. Um, kicked that off and worked across all the different business uh, units at Intuit. We have quite a few products, TurboTax, Mint, Quicken, QuickBooks are some of the most the better known products. Um, so we worked with all of the product uh, leaders in the company to raise awareness around accessibility um, and get them to understand how to start working into that into their development plans, um, provided some training classes. And uh, so I kind of became identified as a person who knew something about accessibility sure. in the company. Um, and then in the fall of 2011, I got an interesting phone call. Um, actually, a gentleman named Al Albert Rizzi, who's here, uh, <laughs> called into it and was asking about QuickBooks. Um, and I called him back, and that, was, that initial conversation was really the beginning of the QuickBooks accessibility project. So, yeah, obviously QuickBooks and Quicken are programs that have been around for a long mm -hmm. time. And so it probably obviously was not an easy task to take a program that's been around for 20 years and... You know, not at all. You know, people have been wanting accessibility to yep. to this stuff for many, many years. But uh, so, what was the tipping point? How did Albert? Well, Albert, I guess, was the tipping well, point. <laughs> well, you know, part of it is is when Lori and I first started talking, um, there was a personal need that I had and a professional need I had for QuickBooks. I'd used it before I lost my eyesight and um, had found that there were just some issues that precluded me from being able to enjoy it again. And Lori and I started talking, and then we were joining forces to try and find ways to, to understand what needed to be done. And we had worked with John Martin, um, a, a veteran, a blind veteran, who was passionate, very passionate about working on scripting solutions. And as we tried that route, we realized it wasn't the best way to resolve the problem. Yeah, we worked for several months. Um, John volunteered time to just work on QuickBooks scripts. So John had also contacted Intuit about the same time Albert did. Yep. Um, so initially, I think one of our missteps was was trying to focus too much on, on scripting solutions outside of working on the core product and actually making the underlying engineering changes that we needed to and make. And perhaps also focusing just on one screen reader versus a more... Right. Uh, Right. Global solution. But the market demanded, you know. Sure, it, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then as we got deeper into it, you know, with, with the knowledge and expertise that Laurie brought to the table, we started uh, realizing that, as many people do in the industry, scripting is not a solution for underlying programmatic issues and API issues. And then we started throwing the net a little wider. And, and Laurie started looking internally at options and... So the, the turning point was actually last year, about this time, in yeah. fact, at CSUN, um, uh, we started to hear more stories from customers um, like Albert who were who wanted to use QuickBooks and couldn't and hadn't been able to, or maybe they'd found some workarounds, but it was really pretty, right. pretty yeah. painful. And um, I came away from CSUN last year feeling very strongly that this... We, you know, we'd always known that this was the right thing to do, but there's a little bit of a difference when you finally realize that this is something we have to do. Um, there was just a sense of, of um, ownership of the problem, and I that actually gave me the courage to go and approach the executives in charge of the small business uh, division at, at Intuit and make the case for 
um, for really investing in, in the core product, in, in QuickBooks Desktop itself. Um, and actually, um, so we scheduled a meeting, I got another calendar, and we brought Albert out. And the critical, the critical success factor there was actually bringing the voice of the customer to the executives and making the case that uh, this was something we needed to fix, and this was essentially our problem. So they actually they actually heard that they were uh, it was a fantastic meeting, um, and that was just about a year ago today. Yeah. Um, and that really turned the tide. We got investment, we got funding, we got the opportunity to work directly with Cheryl, who's here, who was on the engineering team and had already been passionate about helping us uh, with accessibility improvements. But now she had additional resources that she could work with in India, um, and we actually started to get real work done on the engineering team. So by real work done, I mean, like, let's be honest, to re, you're doing much of a rewrite of the whole program. It's no small undertaking to to build accessibility into a program that's been around for 20 years. You know, obviously, we always say that mm -hmm. it's easier right. to do it at the beginning than it is to try to Absolutely. go back and build it in later. So. Yeah, it's well, a that, great question. In fact, <laughs> you know, the, the interesting thing was that I, we've heard often that, you know, well, why couldn't you just rewrite it? And, and that really just isn't an option. You have... Uh, millions of lines of code, you've got you've got 20 years of investment, sunk cost, and you're just not going to rewrite it. So right. we had to look at fixing, not rewriting, and, right. and kind of surgically fixing. We had to be very careful, because you also are talking about a product that's in the hands of millions of customers, so we can't it, yep. you know, we can't make mistakes there. Yeah, we they had a consumer base, you can't you know, upset. Right. Create a regression that's going to break something else. So we had to be very careful. Cheryl could probably tell you a little bit more about the, the technical work that we had to undertake. Um, before if we could before we get to Cheryl, part of part of the reasons we got to Cheryl were after Laurie and John and I sat down and we started playing and Ted got involved, um, there were some obvious issues we saw needing to happen and we went out and we started looking at people who understood how to rewrite and address the issues based upon the sensitivity we were approaching the 20 year or 25 year old legacy. What were some of the issues that you saw? Well, Stephen Clark was able to find all of those. We reached out to Stephen Clark, and Stephen found some areas. There was a skin around this or a skin around that and hooks that weren't in place or accessible to the screen reader that allowed for a seamless integration of the software to reach the features in QuickBooks. And then Cheryl came on board, and she took it to a whole level that we were very, very pleased with. So, Cheryl, I'll let you tell the rest of that. Yeah, so from a technical standpoint, ours was, uh, given that it was a 20-year-old product as well, it was a mix of technical stacks. So right from C, C++ to .NET, it's been a variety. Mm. So when uh, Laurie was talking about actually fixing it, surgically fixing it, what we did was picked up the very core controls that were used on the UI and fixed them individually. So across the product, a lot of controls got fixed. So one of the problems when screen readers were going over the product, they would be unable to pick up data about the controls. <coughs> For example, it would not be able to detect there was a table on the screen sure. or it could not detect a control ID. So one of the major things to be fixed in there was to make sure that the control IDs were assigned internally to all these controls, uh, which was being done, but since it was a owner-drawn control, or rather what we call before MSA was even being used, we needed to actually go back and check those controls the way they were coded and make changes in there. So I would say it was done in a very uh, clean way at the same time without endangering the rest of the product base. So, uh, so, that by, was so by doing it this way, were you uh, 
able to go through were these controls the accessible controls are they now available throughout the app are there certain parts that are more accessible than others or so whatever has been fixed is available across the product so you could take it whether it's a table whether it's a button or all the UI controls that are there there are some exceptions which would be making it to QB 2015 we right. had to uh, do that based on prioritization so given to 2015 and it's a desktop product we also have specific deadlines to meet sure so, yeah the, uh, based on that we had to reprioritize and yeah. Stephen helped us with that yeah, yeah. the good thing the is that we focused um, we were able to focus on a lot of the critical workflows in the product <coughs> and begin working our way out from there so we focused in a narrow way first on just the invoice right. screen just to really understand what had to be fixed and then as Cheryl said once we were able to go on, uh, in there um, under the hood and get to those base classes so that they could surface the control ID and, and reveal that they are a button or a, or a text box, that actually propagated throughout the entire uh, product or, or a lot of the product. So fortunately, we were able to leverage that. Um, but we got we covered a lot of the flows. We still have more, you know, again, kind of some peripheral areas that need additional work. We also worked with, as Albert mentioned, um, a very talented team of Steve Clark and John Martin who who worked on JAWS scripts um, that that helped smooth out some of the, that. And we are screen reader agnostic. We're also yep. working with the Window Eyes team and NBD now. We also uh, we worked with DeQ to make sure that we had additional resources for Cheryl right. and uh, QA through DeQ to make sure that we were not introducing any bugs that would affect uh, the general population. When we added the accessibility, we wanted to make sure that we didn't break anything. Mm -hmm. So DeQ's uh, QA yeah. resources helped. Right. And DeQ, that's where Cheryl really was able to direct and guide what we needed to have done at the platform level with the extra assistance that we were all able to champion from DeQ sure. in joining the, pro the project. So that's great. So understanding that uh, QuickBooks 2014 is a product that's available now um, and perhaps theoretically could have some use, but you have created scripts for that. So how do the scripts enhance the experience? The, the scripts um, basically bridge that minimal digital divide that still exists. Um, as Lori and uh, Cheryl had touched on, we started working on this late in um, the cycle, so to speak. So when we prioritized certain areas that we were going to be working on, we collected that information from customer service at Intuit, basically saying who calls into with what issues. And we looked at that 80-20 rule, 80% of the market uses 20% of the program. Yep. So where we became more aware of the different areas that required more work uh, at Cheryl's level as opposed to scripting, was through the, the, the blind, uh, the beta testers that we invited to the fold. We had about 40 different testers who some of them got so deeply entrenched into the program. I think there were some areas that even the engineers didn't know existed in QuickBooks. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I think Laurie will attest to and Cheryl and Ted and anybody on the team, we didn't believe that scripting was a solution to the problem and we still don't. So where the scripts will be uh, used will to bridge where we were not able to clearly get everything in order in a time that was uh, meeting the deadlines imposed by uh, the corporate structure at Intuit. Sure. We basically well, took it out to the base, the, the last release that we make, you know, post the, the big launch in the fall. So we're up to R5 right now, and right. that is our essentially our minimal viable product for accessible QuickBooks, um, uh, coupled with the scripts for usability. And so um, we're pretty we're pretty pleased with where we've gotten. We're excited about knowing what we need to do next um, in 2015 and being able to get an earlier start on that. I think, I think the key is that scripts will be needed for usability mm -hmm. because QuickBooks is a very complex program. Yeah. And uh, the scripts will always help make it more usable. Well, you know, and this is one of those cases where 
you know, people will say that, well, we don't want to create scripts to replace functionality, but when you're coming from a non-visual standpoint, sometimes yeah. you would want an alternative interface to express some of the, the tables and data and you know reports that are available. So have you looked at, you know, perhaps the scripting, are there alternative ways to present some of that information that might be more beneficial? Yeah, also, for instance, scripting does disable certain elements that make it more complex. Uh, some toolbars that were in the way. Um, scripting has helped us make it so that the user doesn't have to customize QuickBooks as much. It's doing some of that. That's pretty much visual candy, right? Like the, yeah. the, the functions from the toolbars you get to other ways. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. So obviously a lot of these um, solutions have come to QuickBooks, which is primarily a tool for a small business user. Is, is that something that's going to extend down to, to Quicken or to some of the like, TurboTax or some of the other products? Or? So the good news, so um, TurboTax actually, Ted can speak to, actually uh, <clears throat> is primarily the online product. Um, sure, which has worked for a while. Huge customer base has been yep. in good shape for a while, and there's a really sustained commitment there. They, they, even when I came to into it in 2011, they had already made accessibility a no, what they called a no trade-off priority, which is a, a really great level of commitment. So we were really pleased to see that. Um, Quicken, uh, the Quicken team is co-located in, in India with the QuickBooks team, so that while it is a completely different code base and a different team, the good news is that we're starting to leverage the, res the resource that we had from DQ, um, who worked on the QuickBooks project with us, to also um, go over to Quicken and do some work there. So we're, we're um, we need to, you know, Ted and I have both circled back with the Quicken team, and part of Part of what we want to do is build on success and also show people that that it can be done and it's not that hard um, and that if you make good decisions and you involve customers early in the process um, and get the right kind of talent on the team that you really can make amazing amount of progress in a short amount of time so that's the that's the that's the lesson we want to carry forward to quicken as well and, and the one thing that that I really appreciate from a business perspective is it was word of mouth I mean you can do all the advertising to get people to be aware of or all of the dissemination of information, but what, what Intuit did internally with Cheryl at the lead was all of this information was shared organically, and now it's becoming a commonly understood discussion going forward, and it, it's just a really great way to have it all happen by itself rather than imposing it on people. It's a really interesting model, you know, perhaps you think about well, writing a paper on this, you know, how, how do you ingrain accessibility culture in a you know, a company that's been around for a long time and, and has not used to. You hire Laurie Samuels. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Really short paper done. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, so, that, I'm grieving but, to the point. Um, but you know, you know it, it is one of the messages I had always kind of espoused, yes. which was I, I want to see us get it into our DNA, yeah. um, that it's basically just part of our culture. I mean, Intuit has some great things in their DNA. We, we are very concerned about uh, our customers' privacy. We have a great reputation in the industry around that. Mm -hmm. We're very concerned about security. We're very careful with our customers' data. Um, so we, have, we are good stewards of data. We, we have some, some very well-founded, good reputation, um, well-deserved, uh, around certain principles. And I just see this very much aligned with that. Yes. And, and it just simply hasn't been something we're as aware of as we have historically needed to be, but I think that tide is turning. So, um, I, was, I was lucky when I came in to manage accessibility at Intuit that Cheryl had, uh, Lori had already established what needed to be done and convinced right. people that it had to be done. So I was able to come in and say, here's how to do it. And I've been trying to foster more people that own accessibility within their product. For instance, Cheryl. This could not have been done without yeah, Cheryl. Absolutely. No, it's impossible. Absolutely. 
So I've been trying to build a team of Cheryl's around. <laughs> into we actually, we're trying to. This, this, you have a cloning, cloning machine? technology. Yeah, at least find some. I wish. I'm trying to find people within products that can be passionate about owning accessibility within the product. Yeah, so we, I mean, the combination of grassroots passion yes. and executive sponsorship is, is it good. It's just a sweet. That's a sweet spot you want to get to, and um, so I, I, you know, that's what we're working on, and, and we've had some good success so far. Well, one, one of the things too is when we all in the in the in the disabled community, for lack of a better term, we talk about a universal facial, universal approach, and I think one of the things that really resonated with between me and Lori was an understanding that the blind aren't the only people using assistive or adaptive technology, right? And we really looked at a holistic inclusion of peoples mm -hmm. that covered the gamut of what I, what I use and I think is commonly accepted as the print disabled. And I think once we looked at that larger community of people, there was definitely that perspective of one in five people know somebody with a disability and at least I think one in six or seven of somebody we know would use an assistive tool. So in order for us to really impact the community, and I think that what really got buy-in and uh, um, empathy, if you will, rather than sympathy, right, was understanding that this was not just for a single community, but it really impacted a larger community of people. One of the interesting statistics that I shared with uh, the executives in the small business group was that um, one-third of small business owners are dyslexic, which yep. is kind of a fascinating statistic, wow. but actually sort of makes sense. I, you know, statistics, 80% of all statistics are not true, so yeah. we, but, but still. <laughs> unless still, we need I them like to work for us. I like that particular statistic, unless they yeah. work for us. Exactly. Yes. So we use the ones we like. Um, and But this one was interesting, and if you think about it, I mean, these would might be typically people who would have to kind of find their own way, make their own path. And so the fact that they might be entrepreneurs and small business owners is not a, really a crazy notion. So, right. you know, when we talk about print and disability, we're talking about people who may have a cognitive issue that just makes it difficult for them to right. use the printed word um, See, on screen. So, And the fact that, you know, into it being a small business tool, right, we... I know maybe as people from the community, you know that all too often a lot of these uh, providers and rehab specialists tend to push a disabled person into small business ownership as an option because of inaccessibility in other areas. And anyone who tells who, who, who runs a business who's successful at it will tell you that being able to manage your finances is critical. So that was one of the major reasons why for me, aside from the universal approach to the print disabled, it was an important consideration because without being able to manage your own finances, you're lost. For those who may be new, uh, well, I guess we most blind people because they aren't, uh, you know, haven't been using QuickBooks, at least the desktop version before. Um, what type of uh, help system or tutorials are available to transition someone who may have ha uh, had someone else do their accounting in the past and wants to be interested in doing it themselves? Yeah. This is, this, is, this is where I really, really need to take my hat off to Lori and the uh, executives at Intuit. We have been put in touch with Real World Training, uh, which is the third-party contractor for Intuit, and have been doing all of the QuickBooks training for the past 20-some-odd years. And we were put in touch with Trevor Matherson, who has given us, my blind spot, unfettered access to 20 years' worth of source documentation. And we are presently working through some new people who we've hired through my blind spot, Vita Zavoli uh, and Richard Kelly, who are rewriting and infusing the uh, keystrokes and commands that complement the work that Stephen and Cheryl and John and Lori and Ted have all been doing. 
Uh, we're about, I would say, three quarters of the way through that project. And in addition to the tutorials, we're also creating what I like to call our self-paced virtual lesson. Um, we've gotten a few of those on YouTube as examples of what we've done. We've showed them at almost every presentation that Ted and Lori and I have done. And basically what it's going to be is going to be a Cliff Notes version of a, a feature you want to access. So if you want to learn how to create an invoice, right. you could go on and you'll have a, a virtual guide talk you through who is also blind using the system before you so you hear them using it. Yeah. Exactly. And it's also for what it, we're trying to, again to be universal in our approach. There'll be a visual option for people who are low vision to do that as well. Sure. So if you, um, I guess one of the biggest questions, of course, is that everyone's going to be small business owners are going to be wanting to know, though, is how uh, can they get involved with this? How can they get out to the beta? Or, you know, would you just buy QuickBooks 2014 now? Or well, right now we're still we're still fine tuning the, the scripting of the test because we just locked down R5. There were some things that needed to be included uh, in the final final release, if I'm saying that right. And we're still Stephen and John are going to be fine tuning the last bit of the scripting to fill that gap that we couldn't do through Cheryl and her team. That's like in the next week. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's pretty much. So released. you can yeah. buy QuickBooks at a store. You can buy it through my blind, blind spot. spot. Do an upgrade to get the latest version, and then the scripts will be available yeah. through My Blind, blind Spot. Spot. So if you go to myblindspot.org, or if you write to me at info at myblindspot.org, we'll get you what you need. And one of the things that we, because Intuit's gotten so behind the project in a big way, and because as members of the community, you know how much everything costs when it comes to using it equal to that of our peers, we're going to make sure that it's included in the price of the product as opposed to having to charge anybody extra. We've, we're very much committed to making sure this was going to be accessible to all people, whether or not there was a financial What game. is the, uh, the typical cost for QuickBooks? I know it ranges between retail and... I think it's about 275 to 300 depending on where There's you different look versions for it. Of it. Yeah. Yeah, so we're looking basically QuickBooks Pro, Enterprise, and Premier. And those will all be accessible? All desktop. Yeah. 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 So the, some of the extended features, I guess, you know, you, like you could do payroll and things like that. Is that was that working at this point, or is that an additional task that needs to be done? Uh, we're still working on okay. some of the separate business units within Intuit, like payroll. Um, what do you, what else, Cheryl? Payments. payments. We're working right. on those. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of different flavors of quick Go payment. Well, you see, once we once we started looking at this holistically, we one of the things I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Cheryl and Lori, there's a lot of um, whether it's departments or third contractors or par party they, their stuff is, is pursed out um, we realized we had to start talking to the other departments and divisions that in fact oversee payroll and other areas so, a lot of things that plug into QuickBooks yep. which is why it's been so which is why it's been such um, an important conversation to have and as we started having it we started seeing areas where the conversation needed to continue and into it's gotten behind that and evidenced by the fact that we're looking at 2015 it's a very good thing. And some of those other components are in various levels of accessibility. Like the applications typically for iOS and Android are in good shape. Um, we, we're still working and testing on the uh, web and the desktop version. Which apps are you talking about for the... Like payroll, okay. uh, go payment, uh, inventory payments. But those relate back to the... They don't relate back to desktop. Yeah, right. they're, they're but, individual they business <clears throat> units and they're all working on accessibility at their own time. But they've all sure. started... What about Mint or the uh, QuickBooks Online? QuickBooks Online we're working on. Mm -hmm. uh, we're still trying to make sure it's keyboard accessible throughout the program. 
Mint is also working uh, quite quite hard on making sure. From my older recollections from using QuickBooks Online, the biggest problem was just a whole bunch of unlabeled graphics here and there. It's and completely different. We're pushing a completely different code set. So the graphics issue is not as much of a problem with the new version as keyboard accessibility. Gotcha. And that, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. And, and you know, taking that into consideration, as to where Stephen Clark's involvement was very critical in pointing some of those areas out. And as we as we open up the discussions with GW Micro, NV Access, and Freedom Scientific, there's going to be a wealth of information that each one of those entities bring to the table to help perfect the next phase of the progression and uh, really live up to that that commitment we've made about making sure that everybody can use QuickBooks because it's a very important tool that's a global leader in the industry. So. My goal is to make sure that people can run their own businesses. That's right. Um, looking, uh, finally looking at this uh, technical support and accessibility, some of the, the major players have started their own accessibility departments or hotlines. Have you guys looked at doing that, or perhaps would my blind spot help us is doing technical support for accessibility? Or? <laughs> He's like reading our notes at home, I swear. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that we're hoping to do is eventually my blind spot is going to be looking to create a training program, a pilot training program where we train very specific end users who are QuickBooks staff savvy, screen reader savvy, and understand accounting so that way we could hopefully get them to a point where they can become QuickBooks Pro Advisors, um, which is a certification that QuickBooks bestows upon people who are versed in every area of their product. And for that time being, in that interim, they'll be able to serve as regional supports if and when a call comes in, and we'll figure out how to escalate that up either through Lori or to whomever so we can find a way to... uh, Understand there's going to be a learning curve internally for customer service to address these sure. questions as they're presented, but also have a solution in place for people who are end users who use it, who have been part of the process. So it's it's in the works. Is that a fair statement, Lori? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there's definitely more work to be done on, on the Intuit side with respect to just uh, communications and making sure that the information is out there and available to customers on where to go, how to get, you know, to your earlier question, how to get QuickBooks mm-hmm. and scripts and where to, where to you know, get support for that. So we're working through all that. There's yeah. a kind of Albert speaking to a train-the-trainer kind of model. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're... Oh. And we're also working on... Uh, communication points you know we all and I'll use the term we used this morning were a little skeptical and uh, unsure of how successful we were going to be right and um, we also because we were dealing with a conversation that's been in the works for over a decade or two um, did not really take into consideration all the other areas that this one consideration was connected to so as we started peeling back the layers, the dominoes started to fall where it hit this one, that one, and that one. And the dominoes are still falling, and there's still attention that needs to be given to other areas that are being spun off from that little um, sure center that was QuickBooks. Well, you know, when it comes to blind business owners and also perhaps anybody in the accounting field, it's also going to be a, exactly. a ramp-up period because you don't have yeah. prop, you know, you don't have nearly as many blind accountants right now no. because there wasn't Well, a, and that was actually one of our really critical messages to the executives is yeah. not only are you talking about empowering business owners who happen to be yes. print-disabled or visually impaired, but you're also talking about opening up a field of employment for, the first time. for people who could be, uh, who could 
or were accountants and bookkeepers yeah. using the industry standard product, um, and now will be able to continue or enter that field. And that yes. is a huge, that was actually a huge part of the message, yeah. that this is actually an employment opportunity, um, as well as a, as direct to the small business customer. I, I would love to see into it work with uh, LinkedIn, you know, Absolutely. because we have Jenison and ourselves that we can maybe create some kind of ad hoc network to help to small too. business yeah. owners yeah. and professionals. Yeah. Well, that that's critical, and that to Lori's point, and I'm I just as as, a, as an educator, um, as somebody who had master's degrees and trying to give education to people for opportunity, the fact that um, young children who were blind or visually impaired or print disabled did not have an option or were not uh, supported in complementing their sense of numeracy and looking to accounting or bookkeeping as a field, right? there is the future for us. And that's where when people say, well, there's not going to be a big ROI, there will be over time, I believe, and this is where I become the perpetual optimist. I do think that the kids behind us, the future behind, uh, coming up behind us, will be able to then step into a career of their choosing. And if we do this the right way, like the re my blind spot became uh, a founding member of the IAAP, there's going to be that commitment to creating accessible environments and creating a, a career path for accessibility or at least where there is accessibility guaranteeing a career goal. That's the most important part for me. I think sometimes people who have been blind for a long time are going to have a learning curve in accepting the fact that it's accessible and getting past their sense of disbelief. People who have lost their eyesight late in life, like myself, will now be able to say, oh, I can still do what I used to do as an accountant right. or a bookkeeper. But to the point of glory is that the kids, for the first time, are going to be able to pursue these careers. And if we have this conversation correctly with people like Morgan Stanley and J.P. Morgan Chase, which has been doing fantastic work in accessibility already, people will then be able to look at becoming financial managers across the board because the conversation or the expectation of accessibility in QuickBooks and at, Chase, at banking at Chase will be a seamless integration for a variety of options. But JJ, I, I wanted to interact just a little bit. Um, Cheryl, recently, we went to a conference in India about employment of people with disabilities in India, and Cheryl had some really good meetings and insights on the future of employment, the future of small businesses uh, with people with disabilities in India. Do you want to... I'm putting Cheryl on the spot. <laughs> it's a global message that needs to be heard, Cheryl. Go. It's actually very interesting. So at TechShare, they brought in a lot of folks, you know, across the country in India who were presenting different options that they had and how they've made it big. In fact, there's one institute, I think, somewhere close to New Delhi, uh, which specializes in training hearing impaired and making sure that they have employment opportunities. So it was very interesting to see how they reached out to Intuit saying, so this has been done on products. Do you have any thoughts as to how you want to expand it on the employment side? Mm -hmm. So uh, it was very interesting to see uh, how they're bringing uh, things into a new dimension because... Uh, technology has been very good in India, but it hasn't been so widely adopted. Uh, if I if I were to compare it, say uh, over here, the way people are receptive to technology, so I saw that as a very huge difference. That you know, conferences like that are making people a lot more aware of it, and that was very useful. Great, that is really cool to hear. If people want to uh, get more information and follow the uh, progress, uh, what's the best way to do that? Uh, they can follow me. This is Ted Drake uh, with. Ted underscore Drake on uh, Twitter. Um, I do 
send out a lot of information, not specifically about this project, but others. Otherwise, uh, info at myblindspot.org. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's my Blindspot will have most of the information. We have an active group doing beta testing now with the, uh, QuickBooks, and so Albert's been running that that, or, that uh, distribution list, and we definitely welcome and want to have continued customer feedback. Then, if I can just leave us with one thought, sure. or at least a thought that I want to, I really would like to take my hat off, quite honestly, to Intuit for t taking the steps necessary and allowing this to happen organically. I mean, one of the things we didn't touch on here is Lori um, ha it sits on the disability Council, which Ted is, also. and Ted, I'm yeah. sorry, and Ted also, which is a newly formed organization or department or committee, whatever you want to call it, within into it, and the commitment that they've made to really make accessibility and uh, inclusion a part of their everyday mm -hmm. DNA is really to be commended and something that I would like to see a lot of other corporations match, if not excel. Yeah, and we're and part of what we're, Lori and I are working on is diversifying our workforce. We're looking for programmers. Yeah. We're looking for accountants. We're looking for people that want to join into yeah. it as uh, a an huge, employee. You know, there's opportunities, and we have, we hire accountants in tax. Uh, you know, yeah. they are they are part of the support and the development team. Um, so we hire people with tax accounting expertise. We hire people, obviously, all all, all across the company, uh, all different functional groups, um, human resources. Um, you know. Engineering quality, uh, all of those are opportunities, and we are we are definitely looking um, to diversify. Where are the where are the uh, offices located? So there is the company's headquarters are in Mountain View, California, in the Bay Area, and also an office in San Francisco and Menlo Park. So we have several offices in the Bay Area. Then we have a large presence in San Diego, uh, which is where a lot of the TurboTax development happens. Um, we have offices in Boston, Plano, Texas, um, uh, Tucson, Arizona. And, Toronto, uh, Edmonton, uh, up, yep, uh, up in Canada, and then um, our another large development uh, center in Bangalore, India, uh, as well as some smaller satellite offices. Is there a specific uh, spot where some of these jobs would be posted, or should they just contact you guys? Yeah, careers.intuit.com, and I have tested it several times. It's pretty accessible. <laughs> it's easy to find. A, it is easy to find a job. Yeah. <clears throat> So, right, not necessarily even accessibility-related jobs, but even jobs yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. Specifically, uh, you know, we want people to be part of the workforce. We're not looking for accessibility yeah. experts. Yeah. We're looking for people to be every right. position within yeah. into it. Right, and sometimes a lot of people get put in that box, like, oh, you want to work for us, or we're going to make you our accessibility person. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. right. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing. They don't put the label on you that way. They look at the ability of the individual, what they bring to the table, and their 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 physical attributes or whatever the, whatever we want to call their challenges are secondary. What's the best company? Perk. Working you know, with Laurie you know, Samuels and Ted. We don't have we don't have crazy perks, but <laughs> the fact that we beat Google as the most preferred workplace. Yeah. I mean, they, they they we get taken very good yeah, care we, of. Yeah, we do. It is an awesome place to work. Um, it has a great culture. A lot to work with there. Um, it's it's uh, you know we we our CEO Brad Smith. Um, has, has used this phrase that I kind of like, says that we are constructively dissatisfied. Um, and that means that we, you know, we, we do appreciate our progress and when we have success, but we're always looking to do better. And it's, yeah. it's a great mindset, actually, in the company. So, um, and we also talk about our true north direction, which, which yeah. is about customers, employees, and shareholders. And so we always talk about all three when we're making goals and plans and strategies. So 
Um, and accessibility fits really beautifully into that. So. I, I joined Intuit as the accessibility guy because you, Intuit is very customer focused. And they actually mean that. It's not like a lot of companies that say they care about the customer. Intuit really does care. So it's easy for me to convince teams to be make their products accessible because we care about customers. And I think that's one reason why a lot of us work at Intuit. Great. Hey, thank you so much for uh, sharing all these thank insights. You, I really appreciate right. it. Thank you so Thanks, much Jay. for the chance. Blind Bargains is your home for the latest assistive technology news and reviews. Visit us at blindbargains.com or follow Blind Bargains on Twitter for the inside scoop. This has been another Blind Bargains audio podcast. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest deals, news, and exclusive content. This podcast may not be retransmitted, sold, or reproduced without the express written permission of AT Guys. Copyright 2014. Direct from San Diego, it's blindbargains.com coverage of CSUN 2014. The biggest names, provocative interviews, and wall-to-wall exhibit hall coverage. Brought to you by the American Foundation for the Blind. Are you a professional working in the vision loss field? AFB's eLearning Center has the tools and resources to support you. Learn about technology, eye conditions, aging, and more 24-7 wherever you are through AFB's webinars and online courses. Earn credits and enhance your knowledge by visiting www.afb.org e-learning. Now, here's JJ Meadow. We're here at CSUN 2014 with David Bradburn. He's the president of Baum USA. Yes, you heard me correctly. Baum actually has a U.S. office now, and David's here to talk all about it. Uh, welcome to Blind Bargains. Thank you very much, JJ, and uh, hello to everyone out there. So, as I, I just said, Baum, uh, obviously a company that's been around for many years doing braille displays and low vision products and the Cobra screen reader, uh, but you now have a, an office here in the United States. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So, uh, as you correctly point out, Bound's been around for a while, actually 35 years um, okay. at, at the moment. Wow. And um, while there have been uh, individuals that have seen and ultimately purchased some of the Bound products from the company manufacturer in Germany, uh, they haven't been very large numbers because, of course, sometimes people want support, sometimes maybe something needs to get fixed or repaired. Sending things back to Europe each time that happens right. is not very, uh, very good. So, um, myself and uh, Wolfgang Baum, the, uh, the owner of uh, Baum Retech in Germany, um, were speaking uh, last year. We've actually known each other for over 20 years. And we determined that uh, the timing was right to actually establish a, a U.S. presence that could take care of both sales inquiries, but more importantly, and we know this is important to your listeners, to the support, technical support, and, and potential repair and maintenance of devices that they might purchase. Some of the factors that went into this decision, obviously, we know in recent years, HIMS kind of made that leap, and it seems to work really well for them, and there's a couple others that have done it as well. Right. Well, I think in the case of Baum, one of the things, uh, one of our products uh, is the Vizio Book. It's a, a very portable, foldable, battery-powered um, video magnifier that's sold exclusively through the American Printing House. Right. Uh, that's done well, and um, but there is more to Baum than just that product, and so part of this was to provide more exposure. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we've we've been attending a lot of the national conferences this year. We'll continue to do so throughout this year, and uh, we're showing people, in some cases, for the very first time, the the products from this company. And that was something you can't do when you're remotely in a different country. 
so the dynamic, I guess, changes a little bit, um, and many people might not even be aware that you know Baum. Some of your products were in the U.S., but branded under other other companies, you know, with Humanware and some others in the past. That is correct. Yes. So, um, so products uh, that we sell, some of them will look familiar to to people. So, uh, you mentioned Humanware, and yes, uh, their former Brilliant products were in fact uh, right the first generation. Um, yeah, exactly, first generation bound products. Um, and. Uh, but that aside, we do have, of course, newer versions of those sure. products today. Absolutely. And speaking of new, uh, we have a brand new uh, Visio book here, uh, the Visio Book S. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so the standard Visio book, like I said, is sold through APH. And uh, what we're introducing at CSUN, uh, it's the very first time we're showing it uh, publicly, in fact, is the Visio Book S. It features uh, a simplified interface. So whereas the standard Visio book uh, has six buttons along the front plus a magnification dial, the Visio book S only has two buttons, on-off, and then a button for switching between color, black on white or white on black, and of course the magnification dial. From the perspective of weight and dimension, it's identical to the standard Visio book. It runs on battery for five hours, just the same. However, one other difference, and I think for customers in the school marketplace, this is significant. And that is that the distance viewing camera, that is the ability to adjust the camera's direction so that it can look at things such as a blackboard, is not something you can do with VisioBook S. However, for younger children, for libraries, perhaps for a senior citizen who's just looking for something that is a very, very easy to use device, VisioBook S fits that need perfectly. So how does this, uh, what are the advantages of this over other uh, magnification products that are out there? Well, just looking at VisioBook in general, I mean, a clear advantage simply is the portability aspect and the fact that you can use it for up to five hours on battery. Sure. Most of the other portable products have much smaller screens. and uh, They do. Right. Uh, and in some cases, uh, other products will include more than one component. So you're actually carrying around two things. So it doesn't necessarily make them as portable. By, by example, the two Visio books that we have on display here, I actually had folded up and put in my computer backpack and flew with me on the flight from Boston to Los Angeles. This sure. Week. What do they weigh? They're about 10 pounds each. Okay. And you sort of run about five hours of battery life. And, that is uh, correct. So the S being for simple, so besides the distance camera, what other functions were taken out of this one? So autofocus is always on, okay. uh, whereas on the standard device, uh, you have the ability to switch it off and on. There are four levels of brightness control on the standard Visio book. Those are not present here. And then, as I, as I mentioned before, the color and black and white are condensed into one button. And then finally, the, uh, the kind of the false color pairings. This is to say different contrasts, such as yellow and black, blue and black, that sort of thing, has also been removed. All right. And the, uh, the pricing and availability on that? The is uh, twenty eight ninety five, and availability is immediate. All right. Um, moving quickly, just uh, to a few other things uh, for people who may not be as familiar with some of the products that you are now carrying here in the U.S. Uh, give us a little bit of an overview of some of your Braille displays and some of the things that you have. Certainly be happy to. So uh, the fact is there are three uh, families of Braille display products from Baum. The first is called Super Vario 2. This is the latest generation mm-hmm. uh, of our Braille display uh, it's very compact, very lightweight, and like all of our Braille products, it's forged from um, uh, aluminum. So it's very lightweight, very durable. It connects to essentially any device that you, you could think of, such as iOS and Android devices via Bluetooth. Okay. Or to PC or Mac via, well, Bluetooth in some cases, but also via USB. All screen readers? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
uh, stepping up from that, and actually it's not that much of a price premium. In, in many cases, it's about a $150 um, price increase. You get to the, um, the, the Vario Connect. Vario Connect dimensionally is just a little bit uh, bigger than Super Vario because it also contains a Braille keyboard. Sure. So for inputting into your device, your iPhone and so forth, uh, it's ideal. One other thing to say about both of these products, uh, we offer different sizes. So we offer 24-cell, 32-cell, and 40-cell variants of both Super Vario 2 and, and Vario Connect. So at the low end, the 24-cell Vario, how much is that? It's about $2,000. Okay. Excuse me, $2,200 right. Super Vario. That's $2, sure. And then uh, on the Super Vario, we also offer a 64-cell uh, version for $5,900 and an 80-cell version for $7,900. Okay. Now, the, I, t I told you there was a third yes. um, family, and that is the... Um, well, I guess we should really, since it's a German product, say it's the Mercedes um, right. of Braille there you display. Go. Sure. And that is the, the, um, the uh, Vario Pro. And the Vario Pro is not a portable device. It's very much a desktop device that you would, you would uh, place a conventional full-size keyboard on top of. Uh, it's offered in 6480 cell, like I said. Uh, it features uh, thumb bars for very quick and easy navigation um, around the screen. But we all, it also is available with uh, what we call the, uh, the TASO modules, which, among other things, can provide you with uh, vertical and horizontal sliders that, along with a series of tones, mm -hmm. can give you information about the screen and uh, also information that's just elsewhere on the screen. Now, these sliders, is that more proprietary that would only work with uh, the Cobra? Or? That's a great question. And yes, that's absolutely right. Uh, the, while the standard Braille display, the Vario Pro, can work with all the other screen readers, if you wish to use the modules, the TASO modules, you must use it with Cobra. And the Cobra screen reader, uh, which we make, is uh, offered in three variants. There's uh, Cobra Zoom, which is large print with text, with right. speech-to-text. Um, text-to-speech, I should say. Uh, Cobra Braille, which is Braille and speech. And then Cobra Pro, which is all three. And those are available at six, 649, 749, and 849, respectively. So how is the development of that coming with all the, the, the touch interface and Windows 8.1 and everything else? Uh, I'm probably not the most qualified to, to answer those questions at this point. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm sorry about that. Okay. But, uh, but in any event, we're, uh, we're at version 10 right now. And uh, I do know that we are hoping to have a newer version that's coming out uh, before the summer. Right. And we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. Yes, thank you. Great. Hey, thank you so much, David. If you want people to get in contact uh, with uh, Bomb USA, uh, your website, and perhaps a new phone number. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> yes, so the website's pretty simple. It's baumusa.com. That's okay. B-A-U-M-U-S-A.com. And our toll-free phone number is 855-620-7985. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you, JJ. Blind Bargains is your home for the latest assistive technology news and reviews. Visit us at blindbargains.com or follow Blind Bargains on Twitter for the inside scoop. This has been another Blind Bargains audio podcast. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest deals, news, and exclusive content. This podcast may not be retransmitted, sold, or reproduced without the express written permission of AT Guys. Copyright 2014. Well, we do want to thank you for being with us this week here on Main Menu and hope you'll join us back here again next week on Main Menu. You have a great week and we'll see you soon here on Main Menu. <laughs>